This is a podcast by The Straits Times. This is Prime Time on Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly and welcome to our regular sports show Game of Two Halves every Monday live on Money FM 89.3 at 5:15 p.m. where we host the sports podcasters from The Straits Times. I'm joined today by Straits Times sports correspondent Sazali Abdulaziz and we have a very special guest with us as well, Football Association of Singapore General Secretary Yazeen Bukhari. Welcome guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you Rachel and uh, thanks, thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to have both of you with us. Now, last Friday, the FAS confirmed the return of the Singapore Premier League or SPL after almost seven months. And the league will resume this Saturday, October 17th, and will draw to a close on December 13th. Welcome news for local football fans who'd been waiting for the announcement for months. Yazin, perhaps you can share with us how long had your team been planning for the restart of the SPL? Uh, Rachel, you know, um, first of all, uh, we are obviously very happy and pleased with the news that has come through last Friday for the resumption. Uh, but on top of that all, we, we are also very much aware of the responsibility. Well, it is just football in the SPL that's going to be resumed. Uh, we are also mindful that, you know, we, it is going to be a test bait to ensure that perhaps the confidence levels of authorities may be there to allow for other sporting activities to continue. Um, as far as how... How, how long we have been planning for it is kind of a it, it was a roller coaster experience uh, given especially at the initial stage of uh, of the measures that were in place during the circuit break and stuff we 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 had a few scenario plannings on on what needs to be done and whether the league can go on but we we wanted to ensure that in in whichever format or whichever way that we wanted the league to resume the safety uh, of not just the players, but the community at large, given the players are in contact with people outside the fraternity as well. We wanted to make sure that that is our top priority. So there, there were a lot of discussions that happened, you know, my colleagues from the office, Sport, Sport Singapore and the various ministries, and guidance was given and it was critical in, in us coming up with the protocols and, and assessing and applying the best practices that we got from other leagues as well. I think it was... It was uh, an exceptionally long preseason for the players. You know, they, they were waiting. So, you know, since you know, since the league was suspended in in uh, March on March twenty fourth, they had actually been doing uh, home based workouts for for a couple of months during the circuit breaker, and then they started training uh, in small groups in in June, and then obviously they, they managed to train uh, return to normal training on September one. Uh, so that's actually. Basically, five or, or six, five to seven months of, of preseason. Usually, they have only two or three. So, it really is an incredible scenario for the players, and, and something that you know uh, a lot of them were experiencing for the first time in their careers. So, yeah, I think they're just thrilled to be you know back finally, looking forward to, to competitive football again. So, despite the one week notice, they're all raring to go. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, they are physically you know more or less ready actually. So perhaps can you shed some light on the process of planning the restart? How often did FAS meet with the relevant authorities, for example? Well, we, we couldn't meet. It was, uh, you know, we're still in, in working from home, but there were a lot of discussions. Uh, and it's, like I mentioned, it's not just pertaining to safeguarding the players and the officials, but how in any actions that we are proposing will not compromise the safety of the community at large. Mm. Um, and, and because of the very fluid situation that we experienced at the start or in the early part of our COVID measures, 
um, there, there were instances where we had to come back and relook at that whole process. And that's, but, you know, as Azali mentioned, uh, you're right, it's a long pre-season, five, seven months actually. But it also gave us the opportunity to, to look at how best we can take advantage of the situation. And you would have read that the players and officials, uh, they looked at developing themselves in other ways. Um, we, we did give them uh, some avenues for them to be able to partake in causes uh, that would be applicable to them, whether they are still a player or for any post-career uh, transition as well. So this must have been a really busy time for you. What was the biggest challenge that you faced? Um, the challenge is to keep people motivated, not just the players, uh, even ourselves, you know, because um, uh, it, they are football players and they do their stuff, their craft is on the, on the field of play when the games are played. And when you're told to do that at home, to do it online, whatever trainings in, in whichever ways, it was always going to be a little bit tough. Of course, at the start, they were excited because it's a new way of doing it. But then when you go into a, to a prolonged length of doing that, it gets a little bit of a, it takes a little bit of an effect on, on how you're motivated, staying motivated as well. So that was the challenge. And, and I, I, I've, got to, I've got to give credit to the players and the clubs for constantly being with us uh, helping us to make sure that, you know, in whichever situation uh, that we find ourselves in, uh, we never kind of lost sight of wanting to get the, the, the league back. So was there any moment at all where you felt that the league might not return in 2020? Um, I, I don't think there were no uh, instances of that. Uh, mm. we, we obviously planned for that as well as part of the scenario plannings. Um, and, there are implications as to what would happen if the, if the league is, is, uh, is, is, is suspended or if the league is cancelled for the season. There are obligations that we do have to our partners, uh, obligation to our sponsors. Uh, then, of course, you, you do have uh, players' contracts that we're talking about. And this is a livelihood of players. It's a professional league. I think I think there were, and maybe to uh, Yazin and his team might not have appreciated this, or the authorities might not have appreciated this. But there were plenty of rumors that that started circulating as far back as as June, when when the move to phase two about so-called cut-off dates, where you know if oh okay, let's say by August the league doesn't kick off, it's going to be suspended for the rest of the year. I'm sure Yazin has heard some of these rumors himself. So and the dates just kept moving and moving and moving. You know even. You know, up up to a week or a couple of weeks prior to to FAS announcing, you know, the league would return, uh, there were rumors that oh, you know what, you know, if mid August, if mid October they, they they don't announce it, you know, this season is gone, you know, which is, you know, <laughs> but you know, behind the scenes, credit to to Yazin and Steve, they've been working hard. Uh, I think that the rumors just reflected the anxiety of of the football fraternity as a whole. Everybody wasn't sure what was going to happen, and and as Yazin said, these are livelihoods of players and coaches we're talking about. Well, we've reached the halfway point of our podcast. If you like the Straits Times Game of Two Halves podcast, you can listen live on Money FM eighty nine point three from five fifteen pm every Monday, or you can subscribe to hashtag Game of Two Halves on the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. Now we still have Yazin Buhar. FAS General Secretary with us on this episode and he'll share with us what fans can expect when the Singapore Premier League resumes this weekend on October 17th. So in terms of action on the pitch, what are you most looking forward to, Yuzin? 
Of course, the football, of course, the uh, co- comparative football, of course. But I'm also looking forward to seeing how the players react um, uh, to be back on the field. You know, we saw happy faces of players and officials when we started training in full on 1st of September. And I'm obviously looking forward to that. I, I think there's actually, you know, a lot more at stake than people, you know, some people realise. I think for, for the first time, there's direct qualification for the Asian Champions League group stage, uh, you know, associated with the league finishes. And, and you know, some people think, oh, it's a, it's a truncated season, you know, the, the local football authorities are doing it for the sake of it. But like I said, there's a, there's a lot at stake and, and we could see, you know, teams really go uh, hard and go all out in, in the remaining uh, rounds of games. And, I, you know, that could uh, translate into a very exciting uh, last few months of football for local football fans. So can you share with us, and what are some of the resumption protocols that are in place for the restart? We do have, uh, one of the first thing is, of course, the, the match day protocols. They have done the first bit, which is going for the swap test. And then now we come down to the match day protocols. It's a new normal. We have seen that in other leagues on TV, in the English Premier League and stuff. But one that's necessary to minimize any risk. And this includes, you know, the, the number of people on match day, as I mentioned earlier, to having mm-hmm. keeping that figure down to below 100. And that includes the players, officials, medical staff. Um, and also the arrival time, the staggered arrival time, so that you no, know, you don't have congregation of uh, players at any one particular time. Um, we are also possibly looking at medical staff uh, to be equipped with PPE because they may come in direct contact with the players uh, in, in any incidences of injuries. And of course, the technical area layout will observe social distancing. So we will see officials there. And we may see the substitutes not being at the duckout, but rather be at the stand that will be marked out as well. So those are uh, the key protocols that we have in place. And of course, right after the, the match, there will be staggered times for people to leave the facility as well. Yazin, will there be handshakes between the players and the referees and the, the coaches? Uh, will there be ball boys? Uh, no, uh, we, we all have ball boys, uh, but obviously there's a protocol for ball boys to to go about doing what they need to do. They will be equipped with all the sanitizing tools and, and, uh, and uh, the sprays. Um, there will be no handshakes uh, at all, uh, unfortunately. But there are other ways to still you know, have that connection. We have seen uh, some leagues have the, the fist pump and uh, we've seen the Malaysian League having the hand to the chest as a way of greeting. So to your question, no handshakes, um, but we will have There will be fortnightly swab tests for players and officials. And of course, while we hope that every test does come back negative, can you shed some light on what happens if somebody tests positive? Would he be sent to isolation or would the whole league be halted? Yeah, we do have uh, infection protocol on such cases. And it's no different to the prevailing steps that the government has for any positive case. But it is only right and responsible that, you know, for any such actions to be undertaken, we will follow uh, to protect protect the player or the official and to also protect the, the people that he comes in contact with and, of course, the larger community. So we will undertake... Uh, any steps uh, that uh, that we will have to follow, just so for the safety of the of the fraternities. And I know you've mentioned the limited number of people in the stadiums, but is there any chance that we could see fans return to the stadiums before the season's up, or will it be closed door the whole way? Oh well, even I have to get uh, approval in order to go down <laughs> to the stadium to watch. So, you know, but of course, fans, you know, they 
they have always made atmospheres at venues all the more better. Mm. But for now, we will see how these matches uh, uh, go uh, and the adherence of the protocols and the measures pan out. Let's see how that goes. We had a good support. You know, I have to mention this. We, we started off uh, very well. We had good support from the fans uh, when we started the season early this year. Um, not just from those fans coming to watch the games, but also the viewerships that we, we that we had on TV and and on uh, on live streaming. For example, you know the match between Tanjung Paga and Lion City Sailors, and these are both teams that were making their first appearance in in the league after after so long, especially for Tanjung Paga, and that nearly attracted three thousand fans to to catch the game oh, at Jurong okay. Stadium. And and as far as the live uh, viewership numbers. We we had only 13 fixtures that took place before we suspended, and we had over a million fans who tune in on various streaming platforms to catch those. And lastly, Sazali, before we wrap up today's podcast, we go to you for this week's Game of Two Halves Moment of the Week. There are actually two moments uh, from this past week. It's been an incredible weekend of, of uh, sports action. The first is uh, Iga Sviontek uh, winning the French Open at, at 19. Uh, becoming the first, uh, the youngest Grand Slam winner since Monica Seles in 1992. I think she marks uh, the rise of a new wave of women players together with uh, Naomi Osaka, Coco Golf. The second uh, is for people who like MMA, people like me, uh, is Joaquin Buckley's incredible knockout uh, at the UFC Fight Night event uh, over the weekend. It's something, you know, straight out of a video game. It's, it's this spinning, you know, corkscrew back leg kick thingy, which, which, you know, completely knocked his opponent's lights out. And even for casual MMA fans, I, I think they should go check it out. It's really worth their 15 seconds. Thanks, Azali. Well, there goes the final whistle on our sports discussion of the week. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us. And thank you once again to our very special guest, Yazin Buhari, General Secretary of the Football Association of Singapore. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you, Sazali. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having me. To those listening, you can follow the Straits Times Game of Two Halves podcast on the Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can also catch this episode on Straits Times YouTube channel later this week. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.